God bless you. Be seated. Take your Bibles out if you have them, your devices, whatever you use. I told you last week, some of you thought I was kidding. I was not kidding. I will literally do that all day. All day. There's something about worshiping my king. After all he's done. There's something about seeing his name. Declaring his faithfulness. Making just proclamations and declarations. Prophetic declarations that I will see a victory. In light of this reckless love we're singing about. I've already told you what I want to share with you today. I will be quick because I believe that God's already preached this message to us today. We've been talking about the presence of God and the different seasons of life because we experience God in different ways. Amen? I mean, no, we have to be prepared to experience God, embrace the presence of God, the power of God in every situation and season of our life. Whether we like it, whether we don't like it, you get the idea. Which leads us to Matthew chapter 1. I'm going to read one verse there. You don't have to turn there. I'm going to ask you to find Acts chapter 27. That's where I want to take the bulk of my text from. But a couple of Sundays ago, we talked about the presence of God in the valleys. And I just kind of made this big statement. I said, we enjoy God on the mountaintops. We get to know him in the valley. Wednesday, we talked about God in the wilderness. You know, the wilderness is different than the valley. The wilderness usually takes longer. The wilderness is an interesting place, and we discovered in Scripture that God whispers in the wilderness. We used Elijah as our character to study, and I asked the question during that lesson, I said, why does God so often whisper? Why does God whisper? Hey, Corey, come here a second. Excuse me just a second. Got it, thanks. So... What did I just say to Corey? I whisper when I'm close. If I'm far away, hey, Dwayne, can you do this? Hey, how about this? Hey, Sam, can you? Mr. Grant, could you? Hey, Jay Scales, do you mind? See, if I'm not close, I got I to gotta project my voice a little more. I don't use one of these sitting in my living room if you're hanging out with me. Don't need it. I don't need it because we're close and I have a big mouth. But that's not important right now. See, when I leaned into Corey to talk to him, he was close. My message was just for him. And if we understand that God is with us, not just in the valley, but in the wilderness, and he whispers to us because we're close to him. More importantly, he's close to us. We'll learn this valuable principle, and that is that our deepest need, you're not in the wilderness 
because everything's working out great. I'm not saying God didn't take you there, but it's no fun is my point. And so we learned that our deepest need becomes a gift when they drive us to depend on God in the wilderness. Whether it's your loneliness, your challenges, whatever it is. And today what I want to do, quickly I want to talk about God's presence in the storms. Because the valley is one thing, the wilderness is another, and storms are altogether another thing. Storms are scary. My pastor used to say something that was so discouraging, and, I, and, and I'd be lying to you if I didn't say, I, every time he said it when I was young, I would disagree in my head, because if you disagree, mom would smack you if you disagree. But I would disagree with him in my head. I'm like, well, that can't be true. And then... A little thing called adulthood came along. And what he used to say is, and you've heard this before, because now I know it's really true. He'd say you're either coming out of a storm, in the storm, or you've got a storm coming. There's a storm right around the corner. And listen, again, that was so discouraging to me, and I, I would shut it down. And then I, I got to where I was doing life. You know what I mean? Raising kids, trying to make a living, doing ministry. And I understand real quick that you are either in a storm, coming out of a storm, or you got one right around the corner. Therefore, because that's true, I think we need to learn how to live with the reality that God is with. It's not just a Christmas story. It's not just something we read to the kids. It's not just something we post on our Facebook timeline. His name is Emmanuel, God with us. And this verse in Matthew 1, verse 23, it's been our anchor while we've had these conversations. And for those of us that are followers of Jesus Christ, if you're watching this on Facebook Live and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, this should make you shout. Those of us that are followers of Jesus Christ, this is a big deal. Because when Jesus was born of a virgin, Matthew 1.23 says, the virgin will conceive, give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Would you say that with me? God with us. Say it again. God with us in the mountain, in the valley, in the wilderness, in the storm, in the good times, in the bad times. He's here right now. God with us. I'm going to ask the question I asked earlier. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Absolutely we do. Now let's just have some grown-up conversation for a second. Do you believe it, embrace it, and live like it in the wilderness, in the valley, and in the storm? Because few were as close to him as the 12. Okay? I mean, they were right there. Ate where he ate, slept where he slept, walked with him, talked with him. And they didn't get it. God with us in the storm. So what does that even mean? What does that even mean? We've had some big storms hit our country this year, recent weeks. And it's so interesting as I've watched those play out, not just the tornadoes that were as fresh in our mind, but hurricanes. And I think it's interesting how people much smarter than me, they name these storms. And I got to thinking about storms in life, 
See, everything that I see in the natural, I move it over into the spiritual and say, what are you trying to show us, God? And they name these storms, and I thought, you know what? I name my storms. I name my storms all the time. Maybe you do too. I don't know. Maybe you're thinking, man, I just wish I could get through this storm called divorce. I wish I could get through this storm called financial breakdown. I wish I could get through this storm of depression because I've named the storm. Or you've let the doctor name the storm or the lawyer name the storm or the preacher name the storm. We name our storms. And when we're in the middle of the storm, our goal initially is to just ride this thing out. Am I right though? We're just gonna ride this out. Okay, I need to move over here. I need to move this over here. I gotta take some money out of this account. I need to put it over here. I've gotta make this phone call, that phone call. And we try to work it. And I'm not saying God can't have you do those things. What I am saying though, hopefully very clearly, is that when we don't approach it and live in it and walk through it as if God is literally with us, expect an extra lap in the wilderness and an extra mile on the waves. God is with us in the storm. <laughs> Sometimes we find ourselves in the middle of things. Man, we just do not understand. So with that in mind, with us, with us being open and honest about us questioning God, come on, come on, God. I've been paying my tithes and my car broke down. What? Here's a, here's a deep theological drop for you. Cars break down. Tires get flat. Batteries die. It's not always attack from the enemy. <laughs> now, can God make that tire last longer? Man, let me testify for a minute. Can God make the fuel oil in your house last longer? Let me testify for 30 minutes. Can God make the gas in your vehicle? Let me testify for an hour. But just because something isn't going right, one, it doesn't even mean it's a storm. Two, it doesn't mean the devil's hiding behind every bush. Amen, Jeff. That's good preaching. So that principle now we need to put into a takeaway sentence for you, and that's this. Never allow the presence of a storm to cause you to doubt the presence of God. I want you to take that with you when you go. Don't go now, but I want you to take that with you when you go. Never, never allow the presence of the storm to make you doubt the presence of your God because a virgin will conceive. They'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Go to Acts 27 if you're not already there. And if you don't have a Bible, let, let us know. Write that down on a card. We'll buy you a Bible, a nice Bible. We'll put your name on it if you want it with a Sharpie. No, just kidding. Like a real, like legit. We want you to have the Word of God in your hand. But if you don't have one, you don't have an app downloaded, I'll have the verses behind me for you to follow along. Acts 27. There were some men on a boat. And they were out, middle of a huge, crazy storm. I mean, it just came up out of nowhere. The storm went on for several days. The crew was terrified. The men were terrified. They started throwing cargo overboard because they were afraid the ship was going to go down. It was a legit storm. They believed that the storm was going to take them out. I'll pause there for effect. 
can I say that the modern church today, we believe that every storm we're in is a storm that'll take us out. Talk to my grandparents about what a storm looks like. I wish I could talk to my parents about what storm. My dad worried about nothing. Nothing. I'm telling you the Sunday school truth. He worried about nothing. Now, my mother worried enough for both of them. But daddy worried about nothing because he lived through some storms. Had a sixth grade education. He hitchhiked from Broadhead, Kentucky to Cincinnati at 15 years old. Got a job. Lived through some storms. Lived his life raising kids. Got saved when I was five years old. And spent the rest of his life sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. He worried about nothing. Because he lived like God was with him. This storm that these men were in in Acts 27, they thought they would not survive it. Let's pick it up in verse 20, please. Acts 27, verse 20, your Bible says, and my Bible says this, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging. Now, this is an interesting phrase. It doesn't translate well into the English because we just read it like it was storming. But the phrase continued to rage or raged continuously, it means it never let up and it had no end in sight. It just was going to go on and on and on. You get the idea. Neither sun, I'm sorry, yeah, neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging. Look what they said. And we finally gave up all hope of being saved. Don't raise your hand, but I wonder how many of us feel that way sometimes. How many of us have used that phrase? I don't know what to do. I'm out of hope. Can I tell you, as long as we believe God is with us and Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you are never without options. You're never without hope. You always have destiny. And Jesus has a plan. The storm continued to rage. And then they, uh, when they use that phrase, we gave up all hope of being saved. It got to me because I talk to people all the time that say that to me. And that kind of, it pricked my heart. They say, there's no way the marriage will make it. There's no way we're going to beat cancer. There's no way. There's no way. Listen, I'm going to be alone my whole life. Nobody's going to marry me. I can't find a girlfriend. And they give up hope. There's no way we're ever going to conceive. Oh, but they forget God's with them. And then the miraculous happens. They gave up all hope. The storm continued to rage. Verse 21, after they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them. Are you in the story? I want you on this boat. Storms cracking, boats being thrown up and down, water's coming in over the side. They have literally given up hope. The storm will continue and continue and continue to rage. This happens. So you're standing there. Paul comes out of the, the 
hold onto the deck and says this. Men, ain't this what you want to hear? Men, you should have taken my advice. You should have taken my advice not to sell from Crete. Then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. I'll take questions later, Paul would have said. Is there anybody other than me? And I'm not being disrespectful. I just, I, I'm, I'm, my, I got to be real. Is there anybody else that wants to kind of punch him in the throat for that statement? In love, in love, in love. Because this man just stood up and said what? That's what he said. Now, I want you to feel the weight of that. They're in the middle of a storm that looks like it's never going to end, that they've given up hope ever being saved, and the man that is supposed to be the spiritual giant in the crowd, and he is, says, it's your fault. Wow is all you can say. And as spiritual as he was, he was not above doing what so many of us do, and we may not say the words, but in our mind, I told you so. You didn't listen. If you'd have listened to my advice, you wouldn't be in this situation. Should have known better. Your mama told you. They, they were in the storm because it was their fault. They made a decision to go out when the environment was risky. Now, see, I'm talking to somebody. Have you ever noticed that sometimes in Christian circles, and I, I alluded to it earlier, but we try to blame the devil, right? When many times it's our fault. Come on now. We give the devil way too much credit, in my opinion. The devil did this, the devil did that. No, sometimes it's my own dumb fault. And might I say in love, sometimes it's yours. Sometimes you're in the middle of the storm because you spent too much money. I didn't even expect an amen right there. I would have been surprised if I got one. Sometimes you're in the middle of the storm because your emotions got the best of you. And you're driven by your emotion instead of being driven by the reality that God is with you. And so you say something you shouldn't have said. And when you say a word, it's like shooting a gun, man. You can't take the bullet and put it back. It's out there. Sometimes you're in the middle of a storm because you procrastinated. You put it off. You put it off. And now everybody, now, now, now your self one problem becomes everybody's emergency. And I'm not a lawyer for the defense, don't get me wrong, but it's not the devil's fault you didn't pass your final exam. I'm talking to somebody on, on Facebook Live, nobody in here. Maybe you're in the middle of a storm because you were told not to date them. Your parents told you, you <laughs> Your grandparents told you. Your pastor told you. Oh, don't, don't do it. Don't do it. Your best friend told you, and you argued back. Oh, but, but she's so nice. But he's so nice. He's got potential. Yeah, he's got potential to ruin your life. And we blame the devil. But I love, although, although it's hard to receive, and it's, to me it's a little harsh, that Paul said it. But I got to tell you, I understand. Because what Paul is trying to say is I told y'all not to do it. You did it anyway. You can't blame anybody but yourself. Can we for one minute own our stupid decisions? 
I know what you're thinking. You're, you're like, I need a verse. Oh, I got verses. It's just not the heart of my message today. But I, listen, I love the fact that he looked at him and said, you know what? This storm's going to continue to rage. I, Paul's like, I don't have time to mince words back and forth. I don't have time to build my case because he always talked like a lawyer. I love it. He would build sides and he would make this big case and he'd hit a home run every time. He would say, I don't have time to build that. Here's all I got to say because the storm's continuing to rage. You shouldn't have done what you did. So I just would ask us that maybe you're in the middle of a storm because it's your own fault. But I want to ask you not to give up hope. There may be some consequences to it, just like these gentlemen were having consequences for their decisions. Here's the reality of it. Sometimes it's easier, sometimes it's easier for me to believe that God will get me out of a storm that he put me in than get me out of a storm I put myself in. That's like sometimes it's easier for me to pray for you than it is me to pray for me. God doesn't work that way. If we come to him in humility, in brokenness, we repent and we turn from it. We ask for forgiveness and receive his forgiveness. He's with you. There's not a clause there that he's with you as long as you don't do anything stupid. Somebody say amen. Now, it doesn't mean the relationship can't be affected. Come on now, let's be honest. We're grown-ups. But it does mean you might lose some of that closeness and that intimacy with him. Oh, but please hear me. We have to... We have to get to the place that we believe and, and it's, it's, it's case closed that God is with us and he's with us in the storm. My fault. I don't deserve to be rescued. Well, we just went back to that reckless love, didn't we? None of us deserve to be rescued. So the storm continued to rage and they gave up hope. Now, now we've addressed the fact that there were some men on there that it was their fault. They didn't take the advice that Paul gave them. But now we have to understand, and we've got to, we've got to read the, the book spiritually, and it has to speak to us, yes. But there's some logic involved here. When, when you're on a ship, everybody's not at the same level. Everybody's not decision makers. So there were some folks on this boat, it wasn't their fault. The storm wasn't their fault. You might be in one now that wasn't your fault. Stop trying to get God to tell you it's your fault because you don't want to deal with the other person's fault. Sometimes it's easier if you're just wrong. You know what? God, what did I do? Silence from heaven. No, God, I clearly did something. Did I? And you go through this list. Why are we putting words in God's mouth? The Holy Spirit is not silent. If he speaks, we've did it. We, we, we're convicted. If he doesn't, then he doesn't. And there were some men on this boat that would not have been a part of that decision. Probably, probably there was some around that said, hey, hey, Paul's saying we shouldn't go out, guys. I'm not a decision maker, but did we all hear what he just said? 
they, they threw the red flag up. How many of you have ever been in the middle of a storm and it wasn't your fault? Absolutely. Don't even raise your hand because it's all of us. Just don't point at someone right now because it might be their fault. As kids, sometimes parents get divorced. No fault of their own. Are you with me? Your company might have made all kinds of horrible decisions. They've closed doors and they've downsized. That's not your fault. Is it a storm? Absolutely. Maybe you trusted somebody. They lied. They were in, you were entering into a, an agreement with someone. They did you wrong. They did you dirty. Not your fault. Not your fault. Maybe they just didn't do what they said they were going to do. Whatever the case is, in the middle of the storm, sometimes it's easy to give up hope. And I'm trying to draw the picture here for you that you can give up hope whether it's your fault or not. When you feel like the storm's never going to end, what do you do? Well, let's let Paul tell us. In verse 22, remember, never let the presence of the storm make you doubt the presence of God. Paul said, now I urge you to keep up your courage. Pause. I urge you to keep up your courage. It's harder for me to keep up my courage in the storm than it is the wilderness or the valley. Because the valley, I know I'm getting through it. Psalm 23. I walk through the shadow of the valley of death. I fear no evil. That, the wilderness. It's easier for me to keep courage there than it is in the storm. And sometimes I give up hope too quickly. I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Now look at this next thing. Not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be, that's so significant. None of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. And I want to say to some of you that you need to hear this. You got to keep your courage. You got to keep your faith. You got to keep the hope alive. You got to keep embracing the reality and the truth that God is with you. Even though the waves are raging and the wind is blowing the storm's not going to take you down. The storm is going to take the vehicle being used in the storm down, not you. And even though it looks like everything's crashing and burning, you're not going down. If that's not a message of hope, I don't know what is. And you're like, well, you don't understand my situation. You're 100% right, I don't understand your situation. But I understand what he's saying here. And I understand that Paul is saying, you don't have to worry. It ain't your fault. It is your fault. But we're all in this together. We're all going to be in it together to the end. And by the way, take courage because you're not going down. This ship, history. It's going to be splintered. But you guys, we're good. Again, you've got to put yourself in the story. You won't feel the weight of what he's saying. How could they believe that? Paul being the master teacher, Paul being the spiritual leader in, on that ship, how could he make that statement? Because you can't just make that statement and leave it there. I can't just tell you everything's going to be fine and then leave it there. That's a horrible leader. So I want to take 
I want to take a cue from Paul here. Because what I want to tell you is what Paul's going to tell the men. Oh, look, look at it. Verse 23. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and to whom I serve stood beside me. Pause. God with... No, see... No, I can tell you that you're going to come out of this. And I can tell you that there's hope because a virgin will conceive. And they're going to call him Emmanuel, which means God. And it doesn't matter the situation. Fiery furnace, lion's den, stormy sea. I love I love Paul puts this big exclamation point on what he's saying. It sounds kind of arrogant. It's not. Don't mishear me. Let me finish. It sounds arrogant when you hear Paul saying, yeah, God was standing beside me like he was hanging out. Right? And sometimes when, when spiritual people talk to people that are in the middle of a storm, you've got to really, man, weigh your words carefully because it can come across like you're telling them you're more spiritual than they are. So be careful. That's, that's my... That's my sidebar. Uh, hopefully, it's the only one I do the rest of this. <laughs> but we've got to be careful because it sounds kind of arrogant. You're in the middle of a storm. You want the Lord to be standing by you. And somebody steps up and said, he's with me. Oh, but what he's saying is, I've already told you nobody's going down. I've already told you we're all going to get through this. He's here. He's with all of us. See, what he knew about those guys that were panicking, that gave up hope of ever being saved, what he knew is they forgot that God is with them. Your fault, nobody's fault, everybody's fault, my fault, doesn't matter. God is with you. And he says, hey, guys, I want to remind you, you can take courage and you're getting through this because the Lord is with you. I, I, I love how Paul unpacks this. It, it can be kind of insensitive on the delivery. I know it feels that way, especially when you're in the middle of the storm. Oh, man, I, but I love it. He talks about spiritual, supernatural things like they're the most common things in the world. And they were. And If we're willing to see life through those lands, if all you're seeing is the storm, you're never going to see that God's with you. You just won't. Might I suggest you can't. And you might not be aware, but there's angels from the Lord everywhere. I did a study on angels once because I didn't understand them. And if I don't understand something, I don't ask a lot of questions until after I think I know what the Bible's saying about it. Then I ask and then I read the more I studied about angels, two things. One, scared the junk out of me because of the way they're described. Can we be honest? I hope it piqued your interest now to go study it yourself. But it also brought so much comfort. Now, we could get super deep and theological and, and, and everything about what, who is this angel of the Lord. And, and, and all. God with us. And imagine you're in the middle of a storm. Maybe it's not something you imagine. Maybe it's something that you are experiencing right now. 
but the presence of God is with you in that moment. You feel it, you sense it, you believe it, you know it. You, listen, you, you have no idea how many different ways God is with you from the beginning of the storm till you come through the storm. He's everywhere. He never leaves, he never leaves you. Let me ask again, do you believe it? And I'm not being condescending and I'm not saying that you're a spiritual dwarf because you don't believe it. What I'm saying is it's hard sometimes in the valley, in the wilderness, in the storm to really believe that he's there. Oh, but it changes everything when we do. Paul said, an angel of God who stood beside me, when, when, in the middle of the storm, never let the presence of the storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul also said this. He said, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. That's a storm, church. Verse 17, but the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. Amen. Some of you, you're going to realize this today. You're going to own this today. You're going to take away the takeaway, which is never let the presence of the storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. You're going to leave with that. I'm telling you, it will change the way you deal with life in the storm. And isn't that what we want? David said this in Psalm 16, verse 8. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. Somebody needs to memorize this verse. Own this. Put it on your mirror. Put it on your visor. Put it everywhere. Tattoo it on your arm. I don't care what you have to do. But we need to have this kind of faith, this kind of declaration. Instead of 20 minutes of how crappy things are, but you know, I, God, God's going to help. No. How about this? How about, I know the Lord is with me. I know it. I will not be shaken. No storm's going to shake me for he is right beside me. Not because I'm strong. Not because I got it figured out. It might be my fault that I'm in the storm, but he is with me because God is with us. It changes everything. It's all about who's beside you. It's all about who's beside you. It changes your posture. It changes your attitude. It changes how you hold your head up. It changes how you deal with other people. Kind of like when I was 10 years old. My mother had just got a brand new 1972 Cutlass. And my big brother said, you want to take a ride in mom's new car? Heck yeah. He may have drove a little fast. I grew up in Miamisburg, Ohio, in the worst part of that town. We lived right next door to a gang. They used to steal cars, strip cars. There was a vacant lot between our house and their house. And they would drag those cars in. They'd strip them, and then they'd blow them up. I'd climb up in an apple tree, and I'd watch them strip cars and blow them up. Full disclosure, coolest thing ever. Oh, please. <laughs> My brother said, you want to take a ride? Yeah. So we leave 
Orchard Hill. We drive around, we go through the back roads. We're trying to see if we can get some air on those little hills. Mom, sorry. And we're coming back around and we're coming the other way. Well, there was a car parked this way in front of their house, not my house, and a car going this way. There were six dudes in that car. Well, three and three. My brother waits. And then my brother got tired of waiting. And he said, me. They look around. They don't move. My brother said, me. They were trying to indicate, apparently, that he was number one. Used the wrong finger to do that. So... My brother said, well, this ain't going to end well. So he says, and I'm 10-year-old Jeff. Imagine half this size, okay? I'm in the seat. He said, lock your door. I'll be back. I mean, I'm telling you, I'm losing my dang mind, Pastor. I mean, I'm crying. I mean, tears I'm like, no, snot. I'm blowing snot bubbles. I'm like, wait, no, no, don't leave the car. True story. Don't leave the car. He's like, it's good. Now, I'm not advocating violence in any way. I am the, I'm, I'm the biggest, pest, uh, biggest, um, the biggest uh, um, passive that you're ever going to meet. I'm not a pessimist. <laughs> passive. Yeah, listen, I hate fighting. Hate it, hate it, hate it, hate it, hate it, hate it, hate it. Not into violence whatsoever. My big brother, on the other hand, different motto for his life, especially if you give him. Well, so he gets out, and I'm crying, and he just walks up to those cars, and one by one, let's just say, let's just say we were able to just drive through when it was over. One guy was after him with a golf club. He took it from him. And it was in such a pretty shape when he brought it back to the vehicle. Why am I I saying all this? Am I glorifying this? No, what I'm saying is my posture began to change when I seen who I was with had it under control. Who I was with was the muscle in this little organization. Who I was with wasn't afraid of nothing. And who I was with was about to take care of business. And all I had to do, somebody hear me, was just lock the door, shut up, and let the person handling business handle the business. And when that happened, I'm telling you the Sunday school truth. If I'm lying, I'm dying. Every time we'd go somewhere, I'm like, I'm walking with him. I feared nothing when I was with him. It's who is beside you that makes the difference when the enemy attacks. Listen, all the difference in the world, I was with the muscle. Can I tell you, a virgin will conceive. His name is Emmanuel, and he's the muscle. And he's with us. He's with 
us. There's a powerful story in the scripture about Jesus with the disciples. They're in a different boat. It's a different storm. Lots of storms in the Bible. The storm comes up, and you, 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 know, the, you know the story. Jesus is asleep. They wake Jesus up in this storm. They're panicking. And Jesus, all he says, oh, my God. Peace. Be still. The wind and the waves had to obey. Because he's Jesus. Because he's God. And then Jesus has to tell them, why didn't you believe that? Why did you have no faith? Why did you doubt that? In fact, if you know the story, you know when they went and waked him up, they said, you don't even care. Do you not care that we're getting ready to die in this storm? Now, listen, you're not Jesus and I'm not Jesus. I know what I would have done. But what he did, even though they didn't believe him, didn't trust him, because if God says he's with you, he's with you. The difference in how long you're in the storm is whether or not you believe it, embrace it, and live like it in the storm. That's the difference. Because real peace is not found in the absence of a storm. Peace is found in the presence of Jesus. Amen. Let me close. Verse 24. Remember, remember, Paul said, none of y'all going to die. None of us are going to die. Ship, not so lucky, but none of us are going to die. Verse 23, last night, an angel of God, of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. Verse 24, what did the angel say? What did God say? Well, and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You've got an assignment. Don't be afraid, Paul. I ain't done with you yet. Don't be afraid, Paul. You got to stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you all the lives of those who sell with you. In other words, you can't go down in this battle. You can't go down in this storm because God has more battles for you to fight. God has more storms for you to get through. God has more work for you to do. So don't worry about it. God's with you. You have an assignment. Can I say to every one of you, you can't give up hope because you have an assignment. I don't know what that is for you. I know what that is for me. Some of you that I'm the closest to, I know what it is for you only because you've shared it. But God will, God will use you when you learn to operate in the storm as if he's with you. And then he says in verse 25, and we'll, we'll close. He said, so keep up your courage, men. For I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. See, now in retrospect, some of the big statements he made, now I understand why he made them. He was able to make them because he believed God was with him, God spoke to him, and it would be exactly how God said. I want that faith. I want that faith. You can't control when a storm comes. You can't control how severe it is. You can't control how long it lasts. But you can control what you believe and who you believe. 
David said in Psalm 46, God is our refuge and our strength, an ever-present and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. I love that. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar in the foam and the mountains quake with their surging. He's our refuge, he's our strength, and I'll never, ever fear. Do you believe that God is with us? Pray with me. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you. That before Jesus Christ was ever born of Mary, the proclamation was made that through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit of the living God, you will always be present. You will always be with us. You'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. You will always, always be with us on the mountaintop, in the valley, in the wilderness, in the storm. You're always, always you're always here. May we embrace it. May we believe it and live like it. Church, as you're still praying, for those of you that might say, you know what, I'm in a storm right now. Or maybe you've come out of one and you're going to one. And you're like, I need to get this. this I, I understand now. This answers so many questions for me why my doubt just overflowed, why I was so fearful. It's because I know I'm struggling with the truth that God is always with me. You would say, I want to change that. I got to recognize he's with me. I got to acknowledge that he's with me. I got to trust that he's with me. If that's you, if that's the season you're in, I will embarrass no one, but I will ask you to raise your hand because we're going to pray together. God bless you, son. I'm proud of you. And you, thank you, son. Who else? And there and there and there. All over this room. God bless you, son. I'm proud of you. All over the room. Church, I'm going to ask you to stand with me. I want us to pray corporately together. If you raise your hand, I want, I want you to hear me carefully. There is no magic words. There, there's, there's, it, it is truly a matter of drawing a line in the sand. It's truly a matter of believing the word of God. Trusting it. Obeying it. If you raise your hand, I want you to know I'm going to be praying for you in whatever storm you're in. I don't even need to know what it is, but I know what it's like to be in a storm. I know, is this ever going to end? I hope what you heard today was that it will, but more importantly, there's hope in it. And his name is Jesus. So I've asked all of you to stand because I want us to agree together. I want us to agree together as we come out of this Christmas season. We've read this verse so many times, but I want it to be different going into the next year that God is with us. Father. Mm. 
I thank you for willing hearts that will admit we're in storms. It's painful. And the doubt is overwhelming me. I thank you for that honesty. Yet boldly. And we declare whether it's our fault, someone else's fault. Maybe you brought us into this storm to teach us something. Whatever the situation is. We believe you are with us. We know that you are with us. We are going to trust that you are with us. And we declare today that we will not allow the presence of a storm to cause us to doubt the presence of God. We refuse. Forgive us. Forgive us for not embracing this truth and not living like it is true. And God, words seem so hollow when we try to say thank you. Thank you that you sent your son. And through that very act, you declared his name is Emmanuel. And you said, God, I will always be we thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for your attention. Thank you for being here today. What a great day in the house of God. Hey, if I don't see you before, happy new year. Huh? Be safe. Until we see you again, God bless you. Thank you.